haven't got enough hands. Morning, everyone. Well, let's uh, just ask God to um, yeah, speak to our hearts. Father, we, uh, well, we want to quiet ourselves before you right now. We want to invite you through your Holy Spirit to, uh, to speak to us today. Lord, we want to be able to know that we can trust your word because it is your word. And we want to know, Lord, today how we can live in order to please you through the Lord Jesus Christ. So come speak to our hearts now. Give us attentive ears, open hearts, and willing hands and feet to do all that you command us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue on with our uh, origin series this morning, as uh, or as uh, Grant has already uh, mentioned to us. Uh, this is a series that we're doing through Genesis uh, one to eleven, and uh, we are going to be focusing on this over the next uh, several weeks or so, looking at the origins. And as I said last week, in Genesis, particularly Genesis one to eleven, we have a lot of uh, a lot of the very foundations of uh, of God, God's creation, who God is, uh, who we are created in the image of God as as His uh, the crown of His creation. Creation. We've got all of these different systems and structures that God has put in place as creator and as designer. And so as we work our way through these chapters, hopefully God is going to really challenge us and help us to, uh, to again, be really established in our faith and the, uh, the, the, the truth of his word, help us to really understand what it is that God has designed in all of his, his creation, how he's, how he's made it, how we are to understand it, but also how we are to live in light of who God is and Live in light of what he uh, what he has done for us as his people. You know, if you've been around uh, in Christian circles long enough, then you probably recall times past on the Sunday that they were very different to what we would uh, see as Sundays today. Uh, for some of you, you uh, might recall getting uh, dressed up in your Sunday best to uh, to come to church on a Sunday morning. For some of you, that might have uh, included attending church early to uh, to come along to Sunday school, and then after that, sitting through the uh, the church service and being a part of uh, and being part of that. Of course, after church, you'd then head home. You'd have uh, perhaps a, a a lovely lunch where you'd all sort of sit around the dinner table together, actually have conversation together. You didn't have mobile phones and things to keep checking on and stuff like that but to actually be conversation around the the dinner table you sit down to this lovely uh, meal that was prepared oftentimes it was a hot lunch and uh, yeah we um, of course we've uh, come a long way since then haven't we or have we of course, after lunch, mum and dad would perhaps sit, then go and sit down in the lounge and, uh, and probably just sit uh, and, and uh, read or uh, I don't know about mums, if you're crocheting or knitting or things like that, you might do something like that. Or, but just you know, taking it uh, fairly easy. For the children, though, it was off to your rooms. You'd sit on your bed quietly and read or play quietly in your rooms. 
And then after perhaps an afternoon nap, you'd all have an early supper and then head off back to church for Sunday evening, for the Sunday evening service. Shops were closed. There were no uh, um, sports played. There was no going to the movies or doing jobs around the house. But Sundays were a day of rest, a day that was focused on God. Well, things have certainly changed, haven't they? Mm. I don't know about you, but uh, that concept of a typical Sunday in a Christian home might seem very, very foreign to you. Uh, it certainly uh, is to me because I never grew up in a, in a Christian home and experienced this sort of stuff. I'm only going off what, uh, what others have told me. Um, but I know my wife, had, you know, sort of that was part of her experience as she was, uh, as she was growing up. You know, today's Sundays are uh, for many perhaps a chance to, uh, to go shopping or to go to the movies or to hang out with friends. Perhaps it's a time to catch up on, on household chores, you know, mowing the yard and, and things like that and, uh, and playing sport and so forth. In other words, it's a day very much focused on self. Census figures tell us that, uh, that only one in five Australians might attend church on any given Sunday. In fact, a person is considered to be a regular churchgoer if they attend even just one service, or even to go to the movies on a Sunday. But I think what we're going to find as we go through this passage together this morning, we're going to understand that, uh, that uh, to, to, the God has actually set up a, uh, a pattern, if you like, in, in creation. He serves us as his people really, really well and actually benefits us and blesses us as the people of God, as people who have actually been created in his image. This passage tells us today about, uh, you know, challenges is about how we go about living our lives, particularly in respect to setting aside time each week for rest, but also time for God. We come to our passage this morning. You might like to open your passage, your uh, Bibles there to uh, Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to be uh, looking at those, uh, those passages that Kay read to us, verses 1 through to 3. As we come to this passage today, we, we read these opening words. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Because these words probably, uh, probably go best with, it, with, with the, the ending to chapter 1. They probably fit in better with chapter 1 as they, they draw this appropriate conclusion, if you like, to God's creative work. In Genesis 1.1 we're told that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then we come to this verse in chapter 2 where it says we're told that on the sixth day God finished this creative work. In fact, everything that he had set out to do was done. And if you're here last week you might recall that uh, that it was perfect. There was nothing more that was to be done that that could be added to it to make it any better than what it was. God's creation was all finished. And then today we come to this focus on the seventh day. This phrase, the seventh day, in fact, is repeated just three times in these opening two, in just two verses. And it's the author's way, if you like, of, of emphasizing the importance of this seventh day. Oftentimes when you read through the Bible, you'll see things repeated three times. Uh, the words holy, 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 for instance, are often repeated three times in the scriptures. And what it is, it's, it's to add emphasis. It's the author's way of adding emphasis and importance and significance to what he is saying. And so we see that the seventh day here, in these opening verses of Genesis, Genesis 2, the author wants us to understand that there is something very important and significant about this day. 
Now, some things we need to, uh, to take note then when it comes to the seventh day. And the first is this, that this day was connected with the completion of God's created work. As Kay read through, I don't know whether you, uh, you sort, of, it, uh, sort of stood out to you, but listen to uh, the, the, uh, these verses again and see if you can pick out what's common. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. Did you get it? God rested from all his work that he had done. God had, had made everything in all its splendor. He had, as we saw last week, he'd made the, uh, the, the, the day and night. He'd filled that with the sun, the moon and the stars. He'd made the sky and the sea and filled them with all the birds of the air and, and fishes of the sea. And then he made land and vegetation and he filled it with all the animals and finally with mankind. And on the seventh day, God was then able to have a look at what he created, was able to stand back and say that it was very, very good. The seventh day became a type of memorial, if you like, then, for remembering that God indeed is the creator of all things and that his work of creation was finished in all its glorious splendor. Now that's got something to say to us today as we, uh, you know, the, the, the very much the, the common um, philosophy, if you like, of, of, of society today is that, that creation is still, you know, being, it's still being created, if you like. Things are still being made. Evolution is still going on, you know, and, uh, and, but we need to remember that God has said right at this particular time that it was, you know, everything that God had made right there back in those six days of creation, it was done and finished. There was nothing more that to be added to it. So that tells us that evolution of, 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 of not just within species but across species, if you like, there's none of that sort of stuff that goes on because God finished his work of creation right there at the end of that sixth day. All that was needed in all of creation, God had put in place. And yes, sure, we see, you know, today that there are very much, um, you know, our world is, has, 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 has seen changes and things like that. But there is nothing more in our world today and nothing that's been done right the way back from the beginning of creation, the beginning of time, where things have actually been added to creation. Because God himself has finished his work. So it's a type of memorial, remembering that God is the creator and that his work of creation is finished. We're also told that the seventh day was a day that is associated with God's resting. And that term rested is the Hebrew term Shabbat, or from the, uh, the word from which we get the word Sabbath. And this concept of Sabbath is first re- mentioned if, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 16 in relation to God's people Israel. And in here God said that it was a day to be actually set aside for him. Of course, this would be enshrined in the, uh, in the fourth commandment in uh, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, where it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, on this day we see that the Israelites, God's people, were not to do any work, neither them, their animals, their servants in their houses, no one. It was a day set apart to remember that they were utterly dependent upon God for all that they needed. And they needed to look to him as the one who is both sovereign, that is the one who has all authority over all he has made, but also the one who sustains it as well, who sustains it by his powerful work and word. You know, to work is a good thing, isn't it? Well, some of you might say that, some of you might not. But to work is a good thing. When God first made man, he put him in the garden to work it and keep it, Genesis 2.15 says. form that work takes, we are to do it heartily for God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through to 12 states, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Here we see the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica there in Greece. And he says to them, you know, I want you to love one another. And and part of of how you live out your life and how you display that love to one another is through, uh, you know, is is by um, aspiring to live quietly, to minding your own affairs, but also to working with your hands. Because it goes on to say that this is an an opportunity to actually live properly before outsiders, to live your faith, your trust, your dependence. Dependence upon God before all of mankind and be dependent upon no man but to be dependent upon God Himself. See, work itself can give us a sense of worth, it can give us a sense of meaning and purpose. But work can also become a God to us and it can become that which we worship. See, folks, work and what it provides for us is not the be-all and end-all. Although it was a good thing, although God you know, designed it to be a good thing, we as, as sinful and fallen human beings have taken that which God has deemed as good and we have corrupted it. God instituted the Sabbath for his people in order that they would remember ultimately that he is the one who holds all things in his hands and provides what we need. But sadly, we you know, have, have taken our work and that which gives us that you know, sense of self-worth and, and meaning and which provides you know, money in order to buy the things that we, uh, that we love and which we admire and things like that. We've taken that and we've made a God out of it. And we've made a God out of the things which work provides for us. You know, when you, um, you know, perhaps uh, start up a conversation with a new person, someone you haven't sort of met before, the first thing you ask them, they might be their name, but oftentimes in the next couple of sentences, the one thing that you will ask them is, what do they do? We get so much worth, self-worth and self-identity out of what we do today. 
in order to build up that self-worth and that self-identity and to make ourselves feel more and more important of ourselves, we invest more and more times in, you know, more and more effort into, into, into our work and into, you know, building this kind of status for ourselves. And we begin to worship that. And we begin to worship that which it then brings to us, whether it be the adulation from people because, oh, wow, that person's a CEO of Commonwealth Bank. Although, I don't know, he's a very particular uh, favourite person around for, any, for many people at the moment. Well, this person, wow, you know, he's so important because he does this or she does that. And we, we just lap up that admiration and that adulation. And we worship ourselves. Or we worship that which, which you know, our work provides for us. So we get a, a well-paying job because we want the money in order to buy all this stuff which we worship. And then we become like the people Paul describes in Romans chapter 1 who actually worship the created things instead of the creator. Folks, it is our relationship with God that we should truly treasure because our worth and our sense of purpose derive ultimately from him and him alone. Sadly today, there are so many people in our society who are looking for that sense of worth, that sense of purpose, that sense of meaning, and they're looking for it in all of the diff- all of all of you know what society offers, instead of looking to the one person who gives them that 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 sense of worth and meaning, us, the one who truly and deeply loves us. This Sabbath reminded God's people of His design for them as His creatures. They were to work. And they were to rest. See, when God ceased from his creative work on the seventh day, he set up a kind of a pattern, if you like, for mankind. For us who were created in the image of God, God set up a pattern, a design for us to follow. Appropriate rest, God deems, is good and it is needed. Now, for many, when we think of that term rest, you know, where the images come to mind, can I just say it doesn't necessarily mean taking up some kind of comatose state in front of the TV. That's not the kind of rest God is speaking about here. You know, to, to whether it be a TV screen or whether it be a mobile device screen, binge watching our favourite TV shows or things like that. Staying in bed perhaps, sleeping the day away. Although sometimes that can be a good thing. The God's rest, as we look at the way in which God rested, we see that it was him taking satisfaction in what he had made, of delighting in his creative work, of him actually you know, being, ha- having a sense of settledness, first of all in himself, that, that this was his creation. He was the one in complete authority all over it. God had no concerns that there was anyone who could actually undermine that work, undermine his purposes. That God's authority was set. He had settledness, he had a contentedness in his own spirit, if you like, Knowing that, that creation was done, it was completed in all its splendor and glory. 
It was that kind of a rest. And then God participated in his creation. We see this in his communing with mankind there in the garden as he then you know, was, would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. The sense of, of delighting and enjoying what God had made. And then this we can see that there is a time for us as well to enjoy the fruits of our labours, but to see them as gifts from God and to rejoice in the one who made it all and who has blessed us with what we have. That is how we are to rest properly, to certainly enjoy the fruits of our labours, but to see those things as not something which we have necessarily got for ourselves, but which have come to us from God as a gift as a blessing and to, to praise him and rejoice in him as the one who has provided. Here in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, we're told that God blessed this seventh day and he made it holy. That is, he set it apart as a special day, a hallowed day, if you like. It was a day to remember who God is to remember you know, all that God has done and to take time out to worship him and to be with his called people, his gathered people. I think there's a sense of blessing, a sense of real blessing that comes from honouring this, this day of rest as God intended it for us to be. So we see it as a, this this. Reminder, if you like, this memorial, this pattern. But when in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 to, uh, to 15, we see an, an added dimension to this day of rest. Let me read it to you. It says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor you, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is, of course, is the the uh, the, the the giving of the law of of uh, of, um, of God by Moses to the people on the plains of Moab, just as they're about to enter into the promised land. It's this re-giving of the law, if if, if you like. And we see this added dimension that God has now, he's sort of saying, it's not, you know, not just a reminder that we remember that God created, that God made the world in six days and then rested on the seventh day, but that also speaks of God's aspect of salvation as well. The people of God endured hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt of carrying a great burden there in Egypt and they, they cried out continually to God to rescue them and to save them. And the work was, was hard work and it was, the work went on in, you know, incessantly and indefinitely. And the people were beaten down by it and they were beaten down by their slave masters. And so here on the plains of Moab, God says, remember the seventh day, not only because I was a God who created everything and I, that I have rested myself on the seventh day, but you also remember it to remember the salvation which I have brought to you, the rescue that I have brought to you from this slavery that you were enduring. 
course, in this we're to see God's salvation for us in Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, what were his final words? It is finished. It is done. Remind you of God's creative words right there back in Genesis chapter 1. It's very, very similar, isn't it? God looked at all he's done. He said, it is very good. It is complete. Jesus dies on the cross and says, it is finished. And just as God completed his creative work there in, in that initial act of creation, declaring it was very good, Jesus' death and resurrection themselves inaugurated this new creation, if you like. This new creation that God was bringing about through Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I have made the way. There is nothing more to be done in terms of your salvation. It is finished. Of course, today we sadly continue want to try to add things to Jesus' salvation to earn God's favour, don't we? We think that by you know, living certain ways or by doing certain things that we can earn more of God's approval and that, you know, that we can have this kind of, um, of, of security in our, own, in our own hearts and our own consciences that we're okay with God. How many of you, you know, if you start the day by reading your Bible and having a prayer time, actually go into the day thinking that God is smiling upon you? And that, you know, things are going to probably work out better that day because you started that day right. Now, I'm not saying that there's, that we shouldn't do that, but please don't get me wrong here. But if you start the day without reading the Bible, without praying and that sort of thing, you enter into the day and subconsciously there's this thought in your mind, isn't there, as, as, as believers that, well, I don't know if God's really going to bless me that much today because I really haven't started off on the right foot. I've been reading this excellent book lately. It's just a book called The Gospel. And in it, this guy's got four aspects to a prayer. And the first aspect of the prayer is this. It says that there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And there is nothing that we have done that will make God love us less. That if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, if we've confessed our sins to him and asked for his forgiveness and asked to be born into this, this right relationship with God, we have got the assurance of knowing there is nothing that we can do then to make God love us more. No matter how you start the day, does not then determine how much of God's love you receive that day. How much of God's blessing you receive that day. And we need to get this, people. Because, you know, although we say to ourselves, yes, our salvation is all done in Jesus Christ, I guarantee you that every single day we get out of bed, we put our feet on the ground and we start thinking of ways in which we can do stuff to, to, uh, to earn God's favour, to earn more of his love. God will not love you any more Because his love for you is 100% already. 
That's the rest that we can have in Jesus Christ. That's the confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ. When a person responds by faith to the message of the gospel, when they accept Jesus as their saviour, they can rest in the knowledge that their salvation is secure and they have got all of God's love, all of God's approval, all of God's blessing. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that is in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have a settledness in our hearts and in our consciences that we are at peace, we are right with God. Regardless of our sin and failure, if we truly belong to Jesus, we can have that assurance of knowing that we are no longer condemned but forgiven. Of course, this rest is not one of inactivity on our part because it wasn't one of inactivity on God's part either. In fact, you know, it's, although it says God rested on the seventh day, God is still at work in the sense that God still sustains all that he has made. God still is active in his creation day by day. In fact, Jesus said that in John chapter 5, verse 17, where he said, God is, the Father is at work just as I am at work even now. Yes, this rest is a primarily a call to enter into God's salvation, this one-time event, if you like, of, of being justified, of being made right with God through Jesus Christ. But it is also a call to daily enter into that rest. Hebrews 4.3 says that we, have, we who have believed enter that rest. That word enter is in the present tense, which denotes a, a continuous action. We had to do this continually. Each day we're to come to Jesus, we're to lay our burdens and our cares upon him, to bring to him our fears and our failings, our tears and our pain, to lay them at his feet and to find rest and comfort in him, the one who, is able, who has taken all of our failures as, and, you know, in dying for our sins on the cross, who's made them and has cleared our debt away completely, but is also the one who has placed his Holy Spirit within us to help us in, to face all of the trials and all the difficulties and all of the, the life's challenges that we face every day. Each day we had to lay our burdens and our cares upon Jesus. Because remember his words in Matthew 11? What were his words? Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Folks, that is God's invitation to us today. As people who are created in his image, as people whom he has, has made, who he has got a perfect plan and a perfect design for, as people who, is, who he has redeemed through Jesus Christ, he says, come to Jesus and find that rest. And I guarantee that, that all of us today in this place, we need to continually find ourselves entering into that rest that Jesus Christ gives us. Because so many of us today are on this treadmill 
this spiritual type of treadmill, if you like, continually trying to earn God's favour. We're continually trying to make our way in the world to make a name for ourselves and to, uh, you know, to, to lift up ourselves, to give us that sense of worth and purpose and meaning and so forth. Jesus says, just come to me and I will give you that rest. Are you labouring? Do you have heavy and weary hearts? Are you burdened down by the things of this world? Are you burdened down by your sin? Are you burdened down by the weight of expectation? Are you burdened down with, with trying to sort of, you know, make yourself something in this world? Jesus says, you won't find rest in that. You'll never find rest in that. You need to come to me to be made right with God and then to rest in the knowledge that first and foremost, in the words of Max Licardo, you are special. You are God's treasured possession. And no matter what the world says about you, it's what ultimately what God says about you that is most important. And if you are God's child, then he says, I love you. And you're secure in my hand. And if you trust me, if you put yourself in my hand day by day, I'll be with you. And I will help you. And I will sustain you. And I will mould you and shape you. And I will use you to be a blessing. Augustine said, I think it was, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. It's so true, folks. And even as believers in Jesus Christ today, we need to continually find our rest in God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We want to thank you firstly for your willingness to enter into our world in order to rescue us, in order to save us from our sin. We also want to just express to you today that even though our salvation is a settled matter, we continually think that we can do it ourselves, that we can earn God's favour ourselves. And we want to confess that before you today and say sorry. we also got to confess, Lord Jesus, that we have swallowed the lies of the devil in thinking that we find our sense of purpose, of meaning, of significance, of worth in that which we can get for ourselves. But when truth be told, when we go after these things and we 
you know, we might succeed in getting some of them, we find that very, very quickly there's really no satisfaction there at all and all we want is more. We thank you that when we put our faith and trust in you, when we come to you, we can enter into a real rest. A rest not just for our, our, our weary bodies but, and our weary minds, our weary hearts, but, but our, for our weary souls. Help us to come to you in that light, in that way. Help us to celebrate all that we have as gifts from God, our great creator. Help us to remember that we, as God's people, designed by him, created in his image, we are called to set aside a time each week to reflect on God as creator, to reflect upon God as as rescuer, redeemer, as saviour, and to rejoice and give thanks to you in that. We thank you that we can gather in a place such as this with, with your people and do that. Lord, help us never to treat this Sabbath concept from a legalistic point of view, thinking that if we do it, then you know, we've, we've ticked that box and we've got your smile upon us that day. But help us to see it instead in the light of your love towards us and what's best for us as your people. Help us to see it as a day indeed of blessing and a day that is holy. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to come now and gather around the, uh, the Lord's table.